Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? Doing great. Praise the Lord for him, the Lord, and my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and brothers and sisters we get to minister to you right now. Hey, Amen. Our, our church family, man. True, true, true. Amen. Also with us, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today, bro? Doing great. Praising God. Amen to that. And you know, what's really exciting is we have a number of things and we have obviously important topics to talk about, just like we do on every episode. We want to try to bring to you as much truth as we can fit into this. I'd like to say 30 minutes, but really it's about 27 minutes after we're done with the announcements and so forth. But one of the things I, I wanted to talk about is a project we just finished on. We just finished this project literally a couple days before you're hearing this, this message. And, and Joe, we sat down with Steve McQueen's pastor. And oh, I know good. that I thought you'd say Steve McQueen. I'm like, no, he's dead. Bro. We don't <laughs> yeah. talk to the dead. Bro. Yeah, we, right. we do not. We do not. And one of the cool things was we, we sat down with him because we wanted to tell a story that was, is somewhat of an untold story. A lot yeah, of people don't pretty amazing. know anything about that. And I thought one of the ways we want to, we want to use our, our brothers and sisters out here right now, guys, we're going to be sharing this documentary that we just finished filming yesterday and tony's going to be doing all the edits so yes you're listening to a lot of the team here that doug helped put it on he wanted to make this documentary a long time ago Doug, he was talking to his friend john voigt yeah and uh uh, just since you're saying that and because we're just talking about this Mm -hmm. it was just great news and uh he had asked him right after we did our show hey so doug what are you up to and he goes well we just worked on steve mcqueen i became born again christian and we're talking to his pastor and john voigt's like his pastor what and, and he really wanted to know more. And he says, I want to see that show and everything. So you're saying a lot of people don't know. Uh, some people have seen the movie, the documentary, but the documentary, although it's got some great things about it, but it doesn't go in depth like we get to with Steve McQueen's spiritual life, which the media never really reported on because it's got this world, but go on, bro. Take no, I, you said exactly what I was trying to convey, which is exactly right. John Voight is a major, major actor who was a major actor even back then when him and Steve McQueen were both doing, yeah. you know, um, old uh, classics, you know, and so forth. And it's pretty amazing that he was stunned. Like, he didn't even know about this. So we're like, if somebody in the business, you know, didn't know about it, and he's excited to hear about it. The testimony is quite amazing. Yeah. People are going to be looking forward to see it. And I, and I want you guys to look forward to it. We're going to do a premiere for it. Um, we'll have the premiere going on. We'll be commenting with you guys. But it's going to be on his birthday on March 24th. And, Tony, is there a time that we're going to do it? We usually do 5 usually Pacific Standard five Time. 5 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, p- 5 Pacific Standard Time. That's typically where when we do this. So we want to get you involved. Help us share this message. Especially, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have a grandfather. I have a dad. They're gearheads. They love... You know, their cars and yeah, everything. Yeah, was the quote-unquote king of cool back then. You know? King of cool, but he came to know the king of kings, king, which is amen. much more important. <laughs> That's so, what it's about. So I know that we wanted to get that project out to you guys, and we're excited that we're able to film that all in one day, and now Tony's working on the editing already. So we're excited to get that out to you. Joe is working hard on the Marvel video as well, and, and, and Tony and Josh, you guys are 
editing it up for that. So we have a lot of stuff coming along. And we want to thank also Patreon. You guys have been getting all the behind the scenes and getting some of the earlier drops of the Thanks, info guys. that we're getting out. Cool. So thank you guys for coming alongside us. And I wanted to read a comment because we're going to be answering some critics that came forth uh, this last week. Granted, we have crit- critics just about every day, but nonetheless, we still want to, you know, answer these things. We can't go, if that's all we did, we wouldn't have any shows and we wouldn't be able to teach theology. And so one of the things is a lot of the arguments are usually the same and they paint a picture that's incorrect. So we're going to answer those. But I thought one of the cool things, we got an awesome email that came in and I said, why don't we read somebody who was blessed by the ministry? I know a lot of you guys send emails to tell us how much you're blessed by the ministry and we want to thank you for that because they are an encouragement and we want to always encourage the brethren when we can. But I read this, I said, I want to read this to Joe before we answer some critics, because this was a great uh, a great email that came in from a brother, and he said, I first became aware of you and your ministry back in 2006 when I first watched the documentary Hollywood's War on God, which, by the way, that will be interesting to bring up in uh, what we talk about a little bit later. But nonetheless, he said, that documentary opened my eyes to so many truths. It led me to follow your ministry and to listen to your podcast. I also watch your service every Sunday and Wednesdays. I truly believe that we should show appreciation to the people the Lord uses to spread the gospel, especially when they've had such a great impact in your life as you've had on mine. I'm 34 years of age, and I've never really had many good role male, uh, male role models, but I can say that you're a man that I look up to. Pastor Schimmel, thank you for standing up for the truth. Thank you for sharing Jesus Christ through your ministry. When you announced you had COVID and other medical issues, I prayed for you and was delighted to see you whole and healthy again. I live in the Bronx, New York City, but one day, hopefully not too far in the future, I want to travel over to California and meet you and sit down to hear some of your sermons at Blessed Hope. There were many days when it got dark in my life, when depression, anxiety, and worry, and I turned on one of your sermons to hear the word of Christ. And in those moments, hearing you preach the the Lord's word lifted me up. There were even times when I felt the message was directed right at me. I conclude this letter in saying thank you again for doing the Lord's work and sharing his word. Your ministry has really been a blessing in my life. I hope to visit Blessed Hope Chapel soon and to meet you. Well, praise the Lord. That's encouraging. <laughs> and if you're listening, brother, to the podcast, uh, give us a little heads up, man. We'd love to you know, know when you're coming. And then perhaps after the service, uh, we grab a bite with you or something. That'd be great to break some bread together and fellowship. You know? But thanks for the encouragement. And that's what it makes it all worth it. I'm basically <laughs> just doing my duty and don't do it even close to perfectly, but we strive to get close to the Lord and Thanks for your prayers. The Lord definitely delivered me from uh, that situation in the hospital. He is so good. I feel so good right now. Yeah, so, amen. Thank amen. you so much. And uh, yeah, if you def- if you email us, you can email uh, me at chat at Good Fight before you come, and we'll make sure to set something up. But if you like sushi, I'll definitely be there. So anyways, <laughs> no, um, I'll and, even be and, there. And, and I also wanted to point out something um, that, you know, when I, when I first approached Joe about starting a podcast show, doing stuff that was going to be more directed at audiences, just like yourself, everyone that listens, that we could address these issues. Because as a pastor, Joe knows teaching, he wants to teach the congregation, all these things. You can't answer every single question, but in these formats, it gives us a chance to let Joe answer a lot of the questions that he would normally not be able to just sit there and go through every single Sunday because you got to go through different series and dig yeah, into a lot sure. of things. So it's really exciting. And to see that you saw the Hollywood's War on God, I always usually point to they sold their souls to rock and roll. And then when searching, hey, what what else is Good Fight up to right now? Finding the podcast show, which is, is a blessing to read, brother. So I want to thank you for that encouragement. So now we can answer our critics, uh, Joe, because... And I and like I said, this is this is something where I I we're gonna read stuff, 
And we figured these ones kind of are indicative. One of them is a little obscure, and I'll get into the obscurity uh, uh, quite a bit there. But before we do, some of these are, I guess, are accusations that are made from people that are maybe only listening to half messages or something. I'm not really certain how some of these, I don't know how you could have listened to anything <laughs> that you've taught or anything that's ever been taught at Good Fight Ministries and come to the conclusions. But... Somebody said they've been listening to us, I believe, for 11 years. And I looked, and they've actually liked our page since all the way back in 2012. So they have liked uh, Good Fight Ministries, have been a part on the Facebook page and so forth, at the very least. So they have some sort of uh, belief. And it seems like what they attributed to you teaching and said, even said this, I'm sure you will deny, even though I've listened to hundreds of hours of you teach, specifically talking about you, Joe, he said that that you specifically teach a version of perseverance of the saints, that basically if someone sins after they've come to the Lord, that they were never really saved, and it's a false conversion. If someone falls away, they were never really saved, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where he would have got that. In fact, if you listen to probably more than just about any pastor, we emphasize salvation, not only for the non-believer that needs to come to Christ, but for the believer who is saved and how that still becomes the the most important issue <laughs> that you're trusting Jesus because the condition of being saved, uh, coming to faith in Christ, the just shall live by faith, uh, doesn't go away after you get saved. It's not a you know once upon a time thing. So we emphasize the importance of abiding in Christ and continue to trust Jesus. Right. So it's imp- so to be for it to be claimed that we teach the Calvinistic doctrine of perseverance of the saints and that if you fall away you were never saved. That came from Calvin and his, you know, son-in-law Beza, who scholasticized it and, you know, uh, went into the Westminster Confession and so forth and was basically, you know, almost canonized by a lot of Calvinists. Uh, it, that's the teaching that comes from Calvinism, that you're, you know, the tulip system, that are raised totally depraved and they can't even come to faith and God irresistibly draws a select few with unconditional election, uh, which comes before the foundation of the world. He's unconditionally elected certain people of salvation Therefore, with the, if I stick with the tulip, though, the, you know, the T-U-L-I-P, since people are totally, totally depraved, then the U is unconditional election. They've been unconditionally chosen, just a chosen few, uh, to go to heaven uh, and be with the Lord. And then the L, T-U-L-I-P, limited atonement, that he's only died for those few. I mean, we, we deny uh, all these doctrines. We do believe that we are depraved and we don't just wake up one day and seek God on our own. But we also believe that Jesus draws all men to himself. Same Greek word draw that's used in John 6, used there in John 12. And the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we don't believe in irresistible grace, which is the next deal, T-U-L-I-P. God irresistibly draws people in that Christ died for because he only died for the elect few. And then the P, T-U-L-I-P, perseverance of saints. They are going to persevere because they've been unconditionally chosen. Jesus died just for them. And God's going to continue to exercise his... his uh, you know, irresistible grace upon them, and they can't fall away. You basically don't have genuine free will to choose against God. In fact, in Calvinism, everything is determined. Every little thought you have, every wicked thought you have was already pre-programmed before you ever existed, and you couldn't but have that thought, and then God will punish you for that thought, even though he put it in your head. You could never think otherwise. It's just ridiculous, Calvinism. Anyway, actually, it gets my blood boiling because of how it distorts who our God is. It doesn't teach the, the, the biblical God who you know, so love the world, you know. Although I do believe a lot of our Calvinistic brethren are brethren. They just have a wrong concept of who he is. It breaks my heart for them. So I don't look at those guys as the enemy. I look at them as the victims of a false theology. 
So we reject T-U-L-I-P except for, we, we believe like half a T, you know, <laughs> uh, because we do believe that we're, we're totally depraved. Yeah. We can't come to Christ and we have to be drawn. But we don't believe in the Calvinistic version of total depravity, which states that you, are, you have to be born again See, yeah. before you can even turn to Christ and have faith. They got the cart before the horse. The Bible has faith coming to Christ and then being born again. Believe and then you are saved. Repentance unto life. Anyway, with regard to perseverance of the saints, uh, just a few things really quickly. Uh, it's just even a bad term for the Calvinists because the only times you see the term perseverance of the saints, it doesn't teach the inevitable perseverance of the saints. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 13, after they're warned uh, that believers will be killed, some will be imprisoned, some will be killed with the sword, and it says this calls for perseverance in the part of the saints and those who you know remain loyal like to Jesus. Command keep their more. faith in Jesus. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a command, right? And you see this in Hebrew, in Revelation 14, the next chapter, where it talks about everybody that takes the mark of the beast, receives his number in their right hand or forehead and what have you, worships his image, that they'll go to you know place of torment where there'll be no rest day and night forever and ever. And it says this, again, calls for perseverance on the part of the saints and talks about remaining loyal to Jesus, keeping the faith, right? So the two times you see perseverance spirits of the saints, it actually it's it actually a... Uh, imperative that you need to continue in the faith. It's not never states that you will automatically persevere. So I just just think the irony. There's a lot of irony there. So we've we've never taught that if you fall away, you are never saved. And true, if you're a saint, you'll persevere. In fact, we've see very clearly in Scripture that oftentimes the Scriptures warn about. I mean, the warnings about falling away are typically. I mean, you can't fall off the monkey bars unless you you're on the monkey bars. Okay, mm-hmm. you can't fall from. Uh, saving faith, faith, unless you were once in the faith. In fact, Paul says when he warns about receiving a false gospel in Galatians one six, he says, "I marvel that you're so quickly being removed from him, removed from who? From him, the Lord, a relationship who called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is really not another. We are an angel preaching another gospel, then that which preached led to be cursed and so forth." Uh, Scripture is talking about falling away from the living God. Hebrews chapter three verse twelve. Uh, and, and it you know, tells us to endure to the those who endure to the end will be saved, which is yeah, along the same lines. That's another imperative. That could, and we believe enduring in your faith. We're mm-hmm. not saved by works, but works and fruit are the evidences of true faith. And right. and we believe that you have to continue the faith. And and some people when they hear that, Tony, they'll say, "Yeah, but that's in Matthew twenty four. He's talking about enduring to the end of the tribulation, and that means you'll be physically saved." You know. Well, guess the principle's what? Principle still there. The context is. Well, the context is falling away right there mm-hmm. in Matthew 24. Yeah, but you go all the way to Matthew yeah. 10, which has nothing to do with the tribulation period. And Jesus says, if you deny me, I'll deny you. Uh, he talks about, you know, uh, don't fear man, but fear God who could destroy your souls in hell. He's talking to his apostles. You mean he's not telling to, to non-believers to worry about that? That's right. Not and then guess that. what he says to them? He then endures, then will be saved in that context. So yeah, it's not amen. just in a tribulation context. So that destroys, you know, I'm just thinking of the counters and, you know, that would come to some of these no, things. Amen, yeah. but, because you have no need you, to persevere. Why would they say, why would the scripture say endure to the end if you're automatically going to persevere? Yeah, you know, it's a good question, Tony, and, and you make a really, really good point there because there's a lot of scriptures like in Hebrews and elsewhere which they're told to maintain, hold on to their faith, keep mm-hmm. their faith. And a lot of the Calvinists will say, yeah, well, if, you know, yeah, they, they have a fake faith. If they fall away, you know, he's telling them because they have a fake faith, you know, that they have to hold on to their faith. And that's, that kind of argumentation in, in debate is a major failure. I'll tell you why. Well, it's got to be in Scripture, for one. Well, first of all, why? First of all, you're telling people, you know, that have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 6. Mm-hmm. He's telling them about, and he states how they did fall away. 
and, and talks about because they're crucifying Christ afresh, they don't desire to turn back, Lord. Therefore, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. You can't say they never repented. Mm-hmm. It's possible to renew them again because they're continuing to rebel. But what, what says over and over again, what states in Hebrews is that there's an important need to continue to hold on to the faith, hold fast, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he tells us, hold on, you know, persevere. And guess what? When you look at, you know, as a pat from speaking from a pastoral role, the last thing I would do if I thought somebody had phony faith in the fellowship was tell them to cling to their phony faith. Hold on to it. Yeah. I would say, bro, you need to repent right. and really get right with God Amen. and be born again. So it, it makes no sense at all. But I'll give you one more example because I'm sure we've got a lot of questions to deal with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll give you a really good example. We do believe genuine believers, like the prodigal son is a picture of a genuine believer. He's a son of the father. And he fell away. And then when he came back, he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. Yeah. You know, he's lost, but now he's found. So we do believe that true children of God mm. can fall away. And to give you one more example, Matthew chapter 18, I believe, verses uh, 23 or 21, I think it is, through 35. Yes. Peter says, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times. He says, nope, 70 times t- seven. Then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It explains how salvation works. He talks about a master who forgave his servant 10,000 talents. 10,000 was the biggest number you write in the Greek. Talent was the biggest numeration of money you could have. You know, the biggest bill, so to speak, even though they weren't bills. He puts the two together, just huge debt. That's a picture of our sin debt. And he was forgiven. Yet this man goes and chokes out another servant who owes him just a hundred denarii, nothing by way of comparison. And guess what? Uh, The servants, fellow servants go and tell the master, hey, after you forgave this servant, this great debt, he went and choked this guy and so forth. And the master says to him, go to that servant and bind him hand and foot and put him, you know, in the place of torment, he won't pay. He won't get out until he pays the last penny, uh, last cent, last you know, small coin, basically. And what's important to understand here is the cognates for torture, tortures there, is used of hell. Jesus talks about salvation uh, or hell when he talks about elsewhere about not getting out until he pays the last penny. So you can't say this guy was never saved. He was forgiven ten thousand talents. And Peter, Jesus looks to Peter and the apostles. He says, "So shall my heavenly Father do to you, Peter." who's concerned about, can you stop forgiving after seven times? And he uses the plural you there, I believe. Uh, uh, my father do to you, if you don't, don't forgive your brother from your heart. And this goes really well with Matthew chapter 16, I think it's around verse 13 and 14, after Jesus says a few verses earlier, when he gives the, the, the disciples prayer, because it's really his prayer he gave the disciples, Jesus never prayed this prayer, because he never prayed for forgiveness, because he never had to. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Then he goes and comments on it, verses 13 and 14. For if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, Neither shall you, your heavenly Father, forgive you. He's talking to people who have a relationship with Father, yeah. you know, and Peter definitely does, you know. And he tells Peter and the disciples that they will be cast into a place of torment and not get out until they pay the last cent. Now, obviously, and by the way, any brothers and sisters that have been listening long, I can't say any because this, and I feel bad for this guy because he obviously misunderstood. We don't teach the inevitable perseverance of saints. You fall away, you were never saved. We're very clear. In fact, I think I probably emphasize more than most mm-hmm. pastors, if not pretty much all pastors, because this is a pet peeve of mine because I feel so concerned that genuine believers need to know they need to abide in the faith. Uh, we've emphasized over and over again that you have to persevere in the faith. But if you don't, if you fall away, uh, you were never. it doesn't mean you were never saved in the first place. In fact, if you fall away, it means you fell away from salvation. Now, there are people that come to churches that were never of us in the first place, come and visit and stuff, and that, you know, New Agers and stuff like that, or Antichrist, like in 1 John 2.19, uh, who somebody could argue they were never, you know, says they were never of us. But you can't yeah. apply that to the prodigal son. You can't apply that to the unmerciful servant. 
You can't apply it to those who had their names blotted out of the book of life. On and on and on. So uh, just, you know, I feel bad because he, he got mixed up there. But we love you, whoever you are. And may the Lord bless you. But we definitely believe that, yeah, a genuine believer uh, can shipwreck, as Paul used that language of Hymenaeus and Philetus, who shipwrecked their faith. Well, if you find a piece of a ship, you know, on on the shore, and you say, wow, look, th- there was a ship that was wrecked. And somebody says, well, that ship never exists in the first place. Well, you'd say, what? So you can't shipwreck your faith if you never really had faith. And if it was a false faith, you'd want to shipwreck it and get the right faith. So Calvinism just dies a thousand deaths throughout the scripture. No, amen. And, you know, one of the things I've even heard on when it comes to Matthew 24, you know, 13, which you quoted earlier, is, oh, that's just a bodily death, you know. But how, what, your, what a redundant statement right after, by the way, the warning of not falling away, right? And at that time, many will fall away. Brother, mm-hmm. Jade, brother, so yeah. forth. Then you have this That's idea right. specifically, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. Basically, the one who endures to the end will endure till the end. I mean, what a redundant statement that makes no sense with the context. And I've heard, I've even spoken with people who have tried to convince me that that is just talking about saving their body, as if that is what is being dealt with here. Especially, right. what's the, the <laughs> verse 9, tribulation, they will kill you. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just Or some Calvinists yeah. will say, well, that's just descriptive of what you're going to, what believers are going to look like. You know, and even Thomas Schreiner, uh, he's a Calvinist, and he, I, I like a lot of what Thomas Schreiner yeah. has written. And I, 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 some Calvinists write some really good things. It's just on this subject, he's the closest person to what the scriptures actually teach among the Calvinists because he upbraids John MacArthur. I shouldn't say upbraids, but in a footnote in his book, The Race Set Before Us, uh, he, he teaches or he goes into that whole subject and he says, hey, uh, with John, with regard to Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. In his footnote, he says, John MacArthur is wrong here, you know, and he understands that a lot of the Calvinists are trying to save Calvinism, and he has his own angle on it, but he does believe the warnings are to genuine believers, and he warns that there are warnings that they have to continue in the faith or they will experience eternal judgment. But so it's like, well, wait, he believes what we believe. Yeah, but then, and praise God, he acknowledges the context is genuine believers and that they're warned not to fall away and commit apostasy or they'll be damned, but then he'll say, but God, the, the essence of those warnings, though, is God uses means to make sure that we do persevere, and he uses warnings so we will persevere. Well, guess what? We believe that, exactly that. But he says, everybody will persevere, though, you see. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Uh, Mr. Shrine, I'd ask, what about, he goes, yeah, because of those warnings. Well, wait a minute. Most Calvinist churches don't preach those warnings. So what then? Now we got a huge problem with what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And then you have a huge problem, too, because you have many various, many, many scriptures that talk about those who had faith and shipwrecked, as I mentioned, First, uh, and by the way, he says to Timothy to, to hold a good conscience and, and 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 a sincere faith and so forth. And because there's some who've shipwrecked their faith, uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have handed over to Satan. And maybe we'll get into shipwrecking the faith sometime. A little little message on that. But uh, he's mentioning Timothy that he has to hold his faith. He's a genuine believer, son of the faith, you know. So uh, he could fall away. But Hebrews six mentions those who uh, had been saved and fell away and committed apostasy. Uh, 2 Peter 2, 20-22 mentions people had been saved and so forth, but apostasy. So you can't get around the fact that it's not just warnings of those, of what can happen, but what has happened to some people. So, you know. No, I think I think it's really good, and, and this is a great time to bring this out, is the fact that you're going to be doing multiple teachings on this, but even in, to a larger degree out in Texas, March 19th through the yeah, 21st. So we'll be out there. One of the nights is going to be more evangel- evangelistic. We'll actually be at a church uh, and Joe's going to be teaching the They Sold the Souls to Rock and Roll with, with some new artists as well. 
for people. So if you're even in the area, please come and also invite others, especially if you have non-believing friends yeah, that, are, that are in the area. We'll be in the San Antonio area. It's called Bull Verde. Uh, but we will be in the San Antonio area, and please come check that out. And that's going to be three days, March 19th to 21st. And I know this sounds like just a plug, but the fact is is that if you want to get deeper on this, I mean, we're, we're trying to do a show real quick on it, but Joe's going to be doing it for two full teachings just on this subject. One will be what the Scriptures yeah. say, a warning, and then the other will be, you know, the, the Scriptures that Calvinists use and so forth to, you know, say, no, once we're saved, we're always saved. And by the way, you know, Calvinists, they don't like the term many of them, once saved, always saved, but they definitely believe that. They believe once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh, but that's more used by like Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindoll, those types of teachers who are milder in their Calvinism, and some of them would even deny being Calvinistic, uh, many of those that hold the OSAS or OSAS. But the two views, the primary views are per- perseverance of saints, you won't fall away. If you, do, if, you, if you fall away, quote, unquote, you were never saved. We just talked about that. The other one is, not perseverance of saints, but preservation of the rebel or the apostate. That if you commit apostasy, God will preserve you, even though you're raping women, you, you, you're, you're murdering people, you're molesting kids, and you're a devil worshiper. Guess what? Like a tattoo, as Charles Stanley says, once you get it, man, you can't get rid of it, you know? Or God's stuck with you kind of thing, or you're stuck with it. Uh. He wouldn't use that terminology, but he uses it. Once you get a tattoo, he goes, you could decide, I could decide the moment I get it. I don't want it anymore, but you're, you've got it, you know? So that's, that's preservation of the apostate, which is the most dangerous of the two. Amen. You know, so uh, we're going to be going through the scriptures that they would use in the second session, which is really the third, because the very first one is on they sold their souls for rock and roll. They're doing a presentation up there at a church. And then uh, part two and three, or the next two sessions will be on this subject. Well, you know what, then we'll call this just a little bit of a preview, because one of the things we're doing is answering some critics. And, you know, I can already see we've only answered one of the, <laughs> one of the objections, three which minutes. is great, because these, this is so important. A couple of reasons it's so important for people to understand as a ministry, and where the Bible stands, most importantly. But we'll, in fact, real quick, we'll yeah. change the title of this. So you guys that have seen the title, you heard us talking about answering our critics. We'll do answering our critics next session, but we'll call this one, Does the Bible Teach the Inevitable Perseverance of the Saints, or something along those lines. Yeah, that sounds great. Because this, you know. and I'll try to be short on my answers on the next <laughs> question, you know. Because I wish I could do, like, you know, remember Walter Martin, the Bible answer, man, they ask a question, give a verse or two, then you're done. But, and, I, and I could never do that, man, unless I have to. I mean, I've, I've had to at times where I just got to go boom, 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 because we like to get we like to go deeper and yeah. look at things from different angles. So, And that, I believe, helps people grow more maturely. And and if, you're li- and if you were listening carefully, what you heard also were the answers to many of the objections. Joe just went through the answer of the first, uh, first John 2, 19 objection in passing, right? You just mentioned, hey, if they went out from us, they were never of us. Someone can come to your church and never be. And a lot of people, that's... That's first and foremost that gets thrown yeah. at at us, even from those who would say they they're not they're non-Calvinists. Yeah. They'll still even have that one and be like, well, maybe they just were never saved. Right. But and, even A.T. Robertson, and we've given we did a whole session on First John two nineteen. So yes. people can go check that out. So I won't spend too much time answering that. But I'll give an answer that I didn't even I've never given before. Uh first John two eighteen and word pictures of the Greek uh by A.T. Robertson, who is a bat he's not with us anymore, but he's the greatest by far, the greatest Baptist. Greek scholar ever, many believe the greatest American Greek scholar ever, uh, he points out that uh, that it, the Greek could be understood that they're not of us, meaning right now. Not they they would never have been of us, but that and he talks about, I can give the quotes and probably I'll do that sometime, where basically we can show that, uh, you know, that they could have been inwardly at one time, but no longer were apostatized, and then finally left the outward expression of, you know, which was really no faith at all. But some believe that that even, but let's if take the text from just the strict English understanding that it would be convey. 
Well, he's talking about Antichrist there. So it yeah. makes sense that these Antichrists, it's very clear when you read the verses surrounding there, that it's Antichrist. Then the verses right after that talk about those who did belong to the Lord, do belong to the Lord, little children. I'm writing these things those concerning those who seduce, seduce you, that you better abide in Christ and in the Father and Son, and then you'll have eternal life. They can fall away. Yeah, and I, and before I, I, I we check out here, because <laughs> this has gone pretty quickly, you know, one of the big things is is what you just answered was who are they that they're talking about? And I think yeah. so often, and and if this is just for for you, a a context, yeah, just to help you out when you're going through these texts. Whenever someone gives you a text and says, "Here, John chapter ten, John chapter six, always ask yourself who are they, and then I think that'll give you your answer. And if you want better answers, longer answers from what we just gave, come on out March nineteenth to the twenty first in Texas. Go to blessedhopetexas.org to get all the information and also be ready for the next episode. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at PO Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.